All right, we finished up our series on habits last week, and I hope that that was helpful to you. Today, we are just kind of doing a one-off message. I, it was just on my heart to speak into the topic of anxiety. And you might be looking around at the culture of our climate and city right now and be like, Paul, who's anxious around here? Who's worried about anything? I mean, you walk through the, the aisles at Publix and everyone is just happy and everything is fine, right? There's no worry. There's no stress. We're just, but, but there's a few of us out here. And as I kind of begin to get into the top of it, topic of anxiety, I, I first want to say the church in past history, we haven't been great at addressing or making space for anyone who dealt with anxiety. It was just a just get over it kind of mentality. And, and I want to first start with saying the anxiety that most of us feel and the way that most of us process it is very different than someone who has clinical anxiety. Someone who, some of our fights with anxiety are very different than someone else's. And while the things that I say and the tools that I give, I believe will be helpful for anyone, I want to acknowledge that your fight with anxiety might be more difficult than other people's. And that's a reality to the way that, that we are. And that's a reality to some of the struggles that we have. And I want to kind of start there. But anxiety is a big deal because it takes up a lot of space in our head. It takes up a lot of our mental energy. And I really like what Charles Spurgeon said about anxiety when he said, anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but only empties today of its strength. When we allow anxiety to creep in and to get control over who we are and how we're operating, it doesn't fix anything that we're going to face, but it does create new issues in today. And I'm not so much worried about what has happened in our anxiety in the past, in the years. I'm not going to be anxious about our anxiety for tomorrow. I want to talk about where we are with it today. Because all of us in different levels, we will experience anxiety over issues that are going on in our relationships, in our family, in our workplace, in our weather, in our life. We're going to experience some anxiety. But we can choose what we do in those moments, whether we decide to fight and make it better or to just allow ourselves to be kind of trapped in that moment. The passage we're going to be looking into today is in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. If you have your Bible with you, you can follow along. And we're going to go through and we're going to, kind of, we're going to dissect this passage and look at how it applies to us, especially through the lens of dealing with anxiety. And I'm going to be reading from the NIV today. And it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I know that that was a lot of information, and it probably went whizzing by our head. We're going to go back through, and we're going to put verse 4 back up, if you could, for me, where it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And this is interesting, because this is an instruction and when I think about the moments where I've been anxious and I've been worried about something, someone just telling me, well, all you got to do to fix the problem is just rejoice. I would want to give that person a high five directly in the face. Like, rejoicing is not what I feel like in this moment. But I want to address the fact that we have to deal with, as we think and as we process, we create these neurological pathways in our mind. The way that we think, we think that same way further in the future, and I'm sorry, I'm feeling just, maybe I had too much time this week, I don't know. I wanted to illustrate this, because when we think about the power of a thought, 
we don't think about it too much, but when we have a thought, we, we lay down a brick in our mind. We sit down and we begin to build something that has structure within our mind. And when we think in a certain way, it encourages us to then think in that way again. And so once we've thought of it one way, that, that, that's one, but then it builds upon itself. And that worry, that anxiety that just crept through our mind once, it, it begins to form into something that was bigger than just one thought. And you felt this before because when I talk about when we're feeling anxious and someone tells us to rejoice and we want to just shut up, like we want to fix that problem with force because we, on this side of the way that we've been thinking, on this side of the way that we've been feeling, our thoughts and our pattern of thought and our feeling has created a wall between what we currently feel like and what we want to feel like. Because we love to rejoice, don't we? I mean, we, we like being happy. We don't want to be depressed. We don't want to be anxious. But when we start to feel that way and we start to think that way, there's this structure that kind of builds up inside of us that keeps us from being on the side of our emotions and our thought patterns that we want to be. And so, I mean, this isn't shocking, but God kind of knew what he was talking about when he wrote us instructions in Scripture. And sometimes they are hard to apply. Sometimes they're hard to do. But in this section where it's addressing prayer and anxiousness, when it starts off and it says rejoice, I don't want you to feel like, well, I don't feel like rejoicing. And so I'm going to skip over that part and trying to fix my anxiety. When, when our child says, I don't feel like eating my vegetables, you say... I don't care what you feel like. You're going to eat them anyway. I don't feel like doing my schoolwork. I didn't ask you if you felt like doing your schoolwork. You need to do it. This is going to be good for you. When Scripture, and it does, it instructs us, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I will say rejoice. In the midst of the time where our emotion may not feel like it, I don't want you to miss the worth and the strength of it because what you, you begin to do is you begin to build something with your thoughts. In the same way that we were building something else, we can build destructive or we can build positive frameworks in our mind. And so when we begin to take captive the thoughts that we think, I mean, the Apostle Paul wrote about that and he says, you know, we tear down strongholds and arguments and we take captive our thoughts. Instead of building a wall, I mean, we, we can begin to build foundations that help us move up towards the calling that we know God has called us towards. Your thoughts are building something in your life. And that's why when we begin to feel anxious, the thought of rejoicing is so hard. But if we can choose to do it anyway, you begin to build a different structure, one that is actually helpful to you. And so some of the thoughts that we need to think, and yes, we need to think them, they might be difficult at first because they stand in such opposition to how we've been feeling. I'm going to tell you, Scripture instructs us, that's one of the first things that we can begin to do to help fight against anxiety. And that's this message is not going to just boom forever fix anxiety in your life. But in the moments that we feel anxious, if you can take some of these principles and apply them, they will help you fight in that moment. And like I said, I'm not worried so much about the future. I'm talking to you right now. If you've been dealing with anxiety, one of the first things that you can do is you can begin to identify, what are the things that, that God has given me that, man, they're just incredible blessings. Because even in the midst of the worst storms of life, I know that there's things that I can celebrate. And I need to pay those attention because if I don't, if I just rest in the negative, the what ifs, oh, this might be terrible, this all might fall apart, 
It'll begin to build a wall between where I am and where I know that I need to go. And so first, rejoice. I will say it again, rejoice. Your thought patterns, they will either become a wall for you that will trap you, or it'll be a foundation that can build you higher in your life. And then in verse 5, it, it makes this transition that, quite honestly, moving it from, from the original language into our language, it just didn't work too well. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Because when we read a passage like where it says, let your gentleness be evident to all, it seems like a really abrupt transition, but it also seems like, get up on stage and tell everybody how awesome you are. Like, let your gentleness be evident to everyone around. Show them how great you are. And that's not what it's saying. I mean, if, if you have anyone in your life, and I'm sorry if I'm picking on you right now, if you have anyone in your life who's involved with multi-level marketing, you know you can't talk to them long before they start talking about it. Or, or if they're connected to CrossFit, you won't be able to talk to them long, or whatever gym it is, before they start, it's going to find its way. If you talk to my mom, if she's here visiting us, I love the woman, but if she starts talking about genealogy, run away, all right? She will spend 550 years telling you about the 500 past years of our genealogy because that's just, that, that's where her heart is. She loves studying that. In the same way, when someone is around you, there's, there's things about you that just become evident really quick. Your passions become evident really quick. And in the context of this passage, your gentleness, it's like when you have the ability to use force but you choose not to, when you show grace when someone doesn't deserve it, let that be a character, characterization of your personality that other people just see all the time. I mean, when you have the opportunity to be harsh, to correct harshly, to, to show someone, put them in their place, choose grace instead. And why? Because the Lord is near. Because you understand you don't have to fight for yourself. You don't have to fight for your rights you don't have to worry about you because you do what God has called you to do and he's going to handle the results. He's going to handle the opinions of other people. Let your gentleness be known to everyone around for the Lord is near. You know, to continue, you know, I'm a mama's boy. I talked about my mom a minute ago and I kind of joked on her a little bit because she loves genealogy. Um, but I know sometimes our relationships with our parents are like, we, we just, we call and check in every once in a while so that we don't get called and yelled at every once in a while. Like, we, we just need to do, do the call and check in and make sure everything's okay. And I did that this week. I'll be good for another week or another month or however long you do it. Um, that's not really my relationship with my mom. I much prefer to have her here. She lives in Georgia, but when she's here and she's in the room, man, that, that's my favorite. I love when she's around my house and like she just comes up and puts her hands on my shoulders and she's there and I, I want to get my arm around her and hug her because she's my mom and I love her. And this concept of the Lord is near, when we think of our concept of God, a lot of times our concept is, you know, God isn't necessarily near. He's someone that I call and I check in every once in a while. Like I go to church every couple months, maybe Christmas and Easter, and I just check in with God. And that's the nearness of him. Like it's that phone call relationship. And all of this, this whole concept of saying, in the midst of an anxious moment, in the midst of where I could put someone in their place, why wouldn't I do that? Because your relationship with God is of such closeness that you understand his heart for other people. 
And you understand that he's not some faraway place, but he, he is with you and he is watching over you and he is part of this conversation that you're having with someone else. And so your heart can't help but show them the same grace that God has shown you in Christ. The Lord is near to the situation. And you know that God's heart is for this person to understand forgiveness and God's heart is to see you mature in your faith even if at times there's cost to it. Because the Lord is near. Because the Lord is near and you know that he is a good father who's going to have good things in store for you in the right seasons. You trust him to handle those, those situations. You trust him for the outcomes. And so you can choose grace. You can choose being gentle in situations where you might have otherwise tried to elevate yourself. And so in our moments of anxiety, because of our closeness to God, because we understand that he is near, we don't have to fight that fight anymore. We can say, I'm going to do the things that God has called me to do, and I'm going to trust him because I know that he's here with me. I know that he's watching over. First Thessalonians Chapter 5, 16, and 18 is, is almost a parallel passage, and it has these little different ideas, but it says, Always be joyful. Pray continually. Be thankful in all circumstances. This concept of praying continually is one that I, I try to bring up frequently at our church because we don't want to have the I phone call in and check in with God every once in a while mentality. What we want is as we go through our day, as we go through our interactions, we're asking that question because, because God... We, we can speak to him at any moment. To God, this person in front of me in the line, is there a way that I can encourage them? This person who, who is alongside me wherever I am at work, is there something that you want to do to speak into their life? Is there a way that I can be the hands and feet of Christ in this moment? Whatever situation you're in, be in communication with your heavenly Father because it's gonna help you through those tense moments as well. If you've been speaking to him all day long and you've been hearing his heart for the people around you all day long, if you've been thinking about the promises that he's made to you in scripture all day long, when you hit those tense and anxious moments, you're not going to be afraid to trust him with the results. Be praying continually as we go throughout our days because the Lord is near, because we want to be in communication with him. In verse 6, it makes this statement that is so challenging and so difficult to do and it says don't be anxious about anything and there's so many things that makes it make us anxious around here even as we watch the weather updates and we realize the storm isn't coming they always end the broadcast by saying but make sure you stay tuned because it could change at any minute which I hear is like make sure you stay tuned because if you don't you could get killed by a hurricane and change the direction so you have to watch our show and watch our commercials all the time stay tuned in like, I feel like the news, whether they mean to or not, it creates anxiety. There's social media that creates anxiety. There's other people who, because of what's happened in their past and what they've experienced, they bring negative things into our life and create anxiety. There's so many things, and so it just seems like just too far away to just say, don't be anxious, because we're going to be anxious. But what this is addressing, and what I want you to hear from me today it's saying, don't just live in that anxiety. Don't just think that that's where you're supposed to stay. Don't continue in those anxious thoughts over and over that as we now know because of study, it builds up these neurological pathways that cause you to just automatically think that way when situations happen. Oh, it's all going to fall apart now because we've been thinking that way for so long. Don't be anxious about anything, but then it gives us something else 
something else to respond with instead. It, it, it gives us some other things, but the, the truth is, one of the reasons why it then lists in, in prayer, in, in intercession, when it lists these things, it's saying that you, you need to have one or the other. Because the fact is, the way that our minds work, like we can only hold on to so much. And sorry, I just felt like playing with stuff today. So um, the, this cup is going to represent our mind, but we'll separate it into male and female. Can you guess which one is which? Um, we, what we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be men and women who are filled with the Spirit of God. That we have clarity, that, that what we have inside of us is refreshing to the city around us and the people around us. It's supposed to be pure. It's supposed to be th- th- this beautiful picture of being filled with the Spirit of God. That, that's what is supposed to be inside of us, but our capacities are limited, and so when we, you know, have, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pick on the men at first, you know, they, they say men can only think about one thing at a time. Um, you can decide what that one thing is. It begins to affect our clarity. It begins to take up space in our head, but I'm going to give men credit. We can think of more than one thing at a time. We get hungry, too. Um, oh. Gross. I'm intentionally spilling on the floor. It's fun. And there's very little water and there's very little space. There's very little worth. Um, If anyone would like to eat a watery marshmallow, you have attention issues if you would begin to say yes to that to me. Um, So I'm not really offering it. But it's gross. And the same thing, except for women's brains, you know, they tend to work a little bit differently than men's. They they have anxiety, but it works out differently. Instead of thinking of just two things, they think of like a million. Yeah, that's right. You know, it happens in your household too. They think of a million things that are the issue, a million things that are the problem. But it affects both of our clarity. It affects both of what we have to offer our city. It, it takes up this space that is supposed to be this sacred space within our head and our heart that is filled with hope that is filled with love, that is filled with joy, that is filled with patience, that is filled with prayer. That's where our mind is supposed to be directed. It's supposed to be something that when you interact, when someone else interacts with us, our, 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 our whole life situation is refreshing. Not that it's perfect, but that it's refreshing. But if we just allow to soak and sit these other things that weren't meant to be in our mind, we feel anxious and we have very little to offer. But what we're, in, incur, what we're instructed in Scripture to do is we're instructed to replace anxiety with prayer, petitions, and thanksgiving. We're instructed to replace those things. It's almost like anxiety should be... That's... Didn't break. I walk around too much to set this many things out. All right. Um, we are instructed to replace anxiety. For anxiety to almost be a trigger that interacts prayer of saying, I'm feeling this way, and so I know I need to respond with prayer. And first of all, it lists prayer separately from asking for things. That's what it's going to the next thing. The next thing is, you know, presenting your request to God. But it first starts with prayer. What is prayer when you're not asking for something? I mean, prayer should be, should be more than just us saying, God, I need this, God, I need this. And if you haven't done this, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be so helpful for you. 
When you begin to talk to God, and I know, guys, this, is, this can be difficult because we don't like to talk about our feelings, but when you begin to talk to God, this is going on, and you can even say it like a man. This is going on, and I just want to smack him in the head. Like, you can be real with God. Like, this is how I'm feeling right now. And there's something about it that when you recognize that I'm speaking with, with the creator of the universe, I'm speaking with the person whose image is engraved inside of this person who I'm having issues with, it begins to correct our attitude. Even when we say, I'm having such problems with them, there's something that within the spirit of God in your heart, it begins to turn and say, but help me to show them the same love and mercy that you've shown me. As we pray about the situations that we have, God begins to change our heart about those situations to restore our clarity. When we pray with him just about what we're feeling and going through, it benefits us before we even ask for anything. And that's why it helps remove anxiety for our life, Don't, in our life. Don't be anxious about anything, but pray. And then make your requests known to him. Then ask him for those things. You have a good heavenly father who wants to see good things in your life. He wants to speak into the things that you're walking through. He wants to show you that, that his hand is true. He wants to take that anxiety and help you walk away from it. I mean, when you look through scripture, 107 times, there's a statement made that, that is either do not fear, fear not, or do not be afraid. If God had just said one time in scripture not to be afraid, that would have been enough. It would have been just as true, but he said it 107 times in these different circumstances. He does not want us to live in fear. He does not want you to continually live in anxiety. Will there be moments where we feel anxious that pop up? Yes, but there is something that we can do about it, and I believe that there's a great formula in this passage. And what I want to do is, I, well, actually before that, in verse 7, before we get to just the real application of this, it, it lists this result. And so when we feel anxious, rather than staying anxious, we respond with prayer, we respond with petition of letting God know this is what we want. And then this one seems almost as challenging as where we started. Of I feel anxious, rejoice. That's a tough place to start. But the punctuation on it is thanksgiving. When we're feeling anxious, the, 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 what, the way to get out of it that I feel like is the punctuation on the statement is then listing off, and God, I thank you that I have this. I thank you that you've provided this. I thank you for the time that I had with that person Thank you that I still have this person. Presenting that thankfulness. And then it provides this conclusion in verse 7. And it says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. The peace of God, which is so strong that it makes no sense. It will guard your hearts. It will protect you. And it, this isn't a promise in Scripture, necessarily. It doesn't say, I promise, but, but it is a conclusion I mean, there's a, there's a practical application of living out your belief, of living out your faith, that when you feel anxious and you step through this, that what will end up happening as you walk in faithfulness to God is the conclusion you will arrive at is that this peace that only comes from God, and, and, and this type of peace, it's bigger than what you could have asked or imagined. It's going to protect your heart through this situation. It's a conclusion that comes from obedience and walking with Scripture. And so to just kind of 
begin to narrow down, okay, how do I apply this in just a couple simple ways, this teaching from this passage. And this is a passage that if you have your Bible, this should be circled. This is one to commit to memory. It's such a crucial passage for the living out of our faith. But this is how, instead of feeling anxious, this is what I would encourage you to do. This is a great practice to do while you're journaling or while you're thinking, talking about it out loud with someone who's close to you or even talking about it in the car. Instead of feeling anxious, first rejoice about something. When you feel in your heart that anxiety start to rise up, first respond with something that you know, man, I still have passion about this. I still have joy about this. I'm still so thankful this is here. This is something that I can celebrate, even though this anxiety is trying to creep in. First, rejoice about something. Second, thank God about something. That was the punctuation to the passage of, you know, I I have passion and I have joy about this, and and God, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful that I still still have air in my lungs. I'm thankful that I still have these family members. I'm thankful that I still have this job, even if it's a struggle to go there today. I have things that I can be thankful about. And then third, commit to to God that you will follow his ways. And this is an encouragement to your heart, and it's important for you at times in your life to say this out loud to yourself, of saying, God, I commit to follow your ways. Because there are practical results when we follow what Scripture instructs. That we are told that it's not just faith, but it's faith and works going together. Because works are just a natural conclusion if you really trust, if you really believe. And when we commit to God that I'm going to walk in your ways, I'm going to think about the things that you've told me to think about. I'm going to take captive and control of the thoughts that I know are destructive. I'm going to do things your way. And when we make that decision, God's results come about in time. I'm going to tell you that when, instead of feeling anxious, if you begin to work through these three things, it's going to help walk you out of that. And when you begin to respond with obedience and joy and thankfulness, that's when those, those triggers of anxiety are going to lose their power because as we talked about, you're going to begin to rebuild these pathways and these patterns of thoughts that you've had. Band, if you guys would begin to make your way up, I'm going to begin to close this thing out. God's ways, they lead to peace even in the midst of uncertainty. And the power of our faith, it's displayed in the living, not just the mental believing, but in the living out of our faith. In Psalm 23, which we're going to dig into Psalm 23 next week. But it says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. And listen to the parallel in this. I will not be afraid, for you are close to me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. I think one of the biggest pieces to fighting anxiety in your life is first protecting your relationship with the Lord. Because when we move him out of his rightful place in our life, that creates a whole brand new category of anxiety and fear. And many of us have been walking through life and we still haven't given him that spot yet. 
What scripture teaches us, because of the, the life that Christ lived, that he never chose sin once. That when he died on the cross, he did not deserve that death. But he was paying a penalty that we owe. Because of our mistakes, because of the times that we've chosen to walk away from him. But his resurrection showed that he had victory over sin, victory over death. And he offers that victory to us. When we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, Scripture says we will be saved. And that moment of belief, that moment of confession, it creates this new life in us. It creates this new relationship with God that begins to pull us towards the life that I believe we've always dreamed about. The peace that we've always desired. The joy that has been so elusive the freedom from anxiety that we know that we've needed. And so, if you feel like you need to take that first step today, it would be our honor to take it with you. It would be our honor to help you as you begin your relationship with God. But you have to reach out. You have to let us know. You have to take a step with boldness to say, I need help in this. It would be our joy to help you. And if you felt wrapped up with anxiety, if you, and I understand this might be a harsh way to say it, but if you have allowed anxiety to rest in your life without fighting against it for a long period of time, there is still hope. But it does take action. Action of choosing to follow what scripture says. Also action of saying, hey, I need, I need someone to talk about this with. In this church, it's okay to have anxiety. It's okay to have issues. It's okay to have something you need help with. Help is available. You've got to be courageous to take that first step. Let's pray together. Lord, we've had so many anxious moments. Some of those moments have become weeks. Some of those moments have become months. Give us the courage to move away from those. And when we feel fear, help us to respond with prayer. Help us to respond with knowledge that our Heavenly Father is close by. That even in the midst of people who want to see the worst happen for us, you are there and you provide and you show us the way out of that situation. So help us to respond with faith and action. Give us the courage to talk to someone. Give us the courage to begin to grow because we know you have great plans for us. And we know that as your children, we will be with you forever. And we thank you for your love that never ends. In Jesus' name.